the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 that's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program, weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian Scout through the Book of Books, Soapy Dollar. Why does it always say Soapy Dollar and not Jacob? <laughs> that we have to answer that question, the great question of the evening, <clears throat> is not any particular reason, except we haven't renewed our intro in a while. We've got to get that 
corrected. Yeah, this is true. It's been, a, may I say, a while. It has been, yeah, Jacob, no doubt about it. What's that around your head? Yeah. What's, what's that, that running around your leg? Your head, your leg. Okay. <laughs> um, welcome, everyone, to the Bible Live, the quiz show, your opportunity to uh, not only hear the Scriptures, we encourage you to get into God's Word, into the Scriptures, listen to them. Uh, I do have some splaining to do, as um, has been said um, who was it? Uh, Ricardo. Ricardo. Yeah, Ricky That's Ricardo John, used John to say. John is so good on that stuff, isn't Lucy, it? you got splaining to do. Well, we got some splaining to do. We we we, um, we have been on the air now for many years, actually reading through the entire Bible on the airwaves, Monday through Friday, giving you a chance to hear every word, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, uh, the great book of books. We've been reading through it a long, long time. And we have, of course, our, our normal reading schedule at this time of the year. We are reading through the book of Ruth. We finished up the book of Judges, chapters 18 through 21, and go right on into the book of Ruth, which is uh, in that same historic era, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, in that time period after the people of Israel go into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua after Moses' death, and then they uh, begin the time of uh, driving out the people groups that are there, and, and of course we understand that as as part of God's plan of of judgment on those particular nations, their their godlessness, their their wickedness. Uh, he uses the people of Israel as an instrument of judgment on them, and then of course later on we see that God uses other nations, uh, Assyria in, in the north and uh, Babylon. Uh, as well, and, and other nations to oppress and to judge Israel uh, for their sin and wickedness. There's no, uh, there's no favoritism shown here at all. God uses nations and people groups uh, this way in carrying out his redemptive plan in the world. We can talk a little bit about the big picture, <coughs> excuse me, during this evening, but we that brings us to the books of uh, Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. Uh, we've finished that book this week in our reading schedule, and we've moved right on into back to the New Testament, uh, into the times of uh, the gospel. We've already read Matthew and Mark, and we picked up in Lucas, uh, the book of Luke, chapters 1 through 8. And so we'll be uh, in the book of Luke this coming week as well. Now, that's our reading schedule that we have followed for many years, reading through the Scriptures. And although we're not on the air Monday through Friday right now, we do continue to follow that same schedule, and we encourage you, if you uh, want to follow our reading schedule, you can go to our website. Now, this is being built as we speak. Every week we're making progress and working on it, but we have the reading schedule posted there at thebiblelive.com or biblelive.com or soapydollar.com. Uh, it, I'm sorry again. Yeah. 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 There's no Jacob. Oh, there's no Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> cake. No gas station. <laughs> anyway, we um, you can go there and find uh, the reading schedule that we follow throughout the year and read along with us in your own Bible, or you can um, <clears throat> you'll be able to download the readings from uh, go and hear them at iTunes or or um, iTunes or what are some of the other areas you can pick them up maybe. Uh, let me see, I'm trying to think of the other, uh, there's another um, program there that you can, I see I'm not into all these things and we've got people who do this, 
uh, and I'll think of it in a minute. But you, in other words, you can download the app to your app, to your smartphone, to your Are computer. Are you having a part-time moment? Uh, I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a problem with the hereafter. Yeah. I go into a room, and I can, can't remember what I'm hereafter. Yeah. Uh, that's what I do there quite often now. Anyway, that's the idea. So you can go look up the Bible readings there at the website and get on the schedule with us. And then, of course, when we come to the weekend, uh, we also have posted all of the questions that we ask here on a Sunday evening. We, Of course, we have lots of questions. We've got well over 40 or 50 questions here. We usually only get to maybe half a dozen or maybe sometimes 8 to 10 of the questions. Uh, and I uh, wish we could get to more, but uh, we we try to pick out questions that are interesting and that would that would be edifying and, of course, that you could be responsive and to. And then we ask the others. Yeah, and then we ask the other ones. <laughs> well, no, we ask those that, that are most. Jacob does it. I don't know why he uh, he's good at uh, figuring out the questions. That, I think he figures out the questions that let him say what he wants to say, right? Well, that, I will tell you this, that I tell you, because I know tonight we're doing the end of Book of Judges, Book of Ruth, and then one from the New Testament, Luke, mm-hmm. right? Right, the Book uh, of Luke. I told you how I got in trouble one time, right? No, yes, uh, you only got in trouble one time. I'm amazed. It was one time, yes. Okay, what did you do? I, I said to somebody because I, I heard a rabbi say it to somebody, and I thought it was cute, so I repeated it. And I said, Uh-oh. "Okay, over on our side of the Bible," and then I said, "But over on your side of the Bible, the New Testament." Oh, that's a no-no. And this woman got mad at me, and I'm scared to say that joke anymore. That's a no-no. Yeah, we don't have your side, our side. Yeah, we, I know. I thought it was funny when the rabbi said it. It's all our side, our Bible. It's all. It belongs to all of us it belongs to god's people uh-huh. the people of god jew and gentile right so anyway we can <laughs> right right along with me there <clears throat> there we go um let me see we are going to ask some questions shall we get some questions out on the uh, airways yeah, right at the beginning of the, the show couple ones let's do let me give you some questions from the psalms and the proverbs and Maybe. Do you have a question from Judges, or do you want me to oh, get one? Oh, I got, I got one from Judges, but okay. perhaps you have a better one. All right. What two heinous sins did David commit that brought him, well, a lot of grief and a lot of things, but that seemed to move him and motivated him to write Psalm 51? Uh, very powerful psalm, if you've read it before, uh, talking about... Um, confession and repentance from sin and and so on it's a, a psalm of great humility uh, and brokenness uh, what two heinous sins did david commit that uh we think brought him or moved him to write psalm 51 so if you know about david's life and these two terrible sins that he committed you can give us a call 3409585 Three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's the phone number for the next uh, hour and a half. Uh, for the next ninety minutes, you can give us a call and participate in the program, and you can answer questions, or maybe you have a question you'd like to ask uh, about these passages, or maybe another passage of scripture that you've been reading and you have a question about it. We'd love to hear from you about all things biblical tonight. That's what the Bible Live Quiz Show is all about. So give us a call if you'd like three four zero ninety five. 85. Okay, let me uh, ask you this question. At what point in his life, according to Psalm 51, verse 5, at what point in his life uh, 
did David become a sinner? Now, I know Jacob is going to have something to say about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I sense it in my... In the core of my being. It could be because I'm staring at the back of your head, something like that. (laughs) At what point in his life did David become a sinner? According to Psalm 51, verse 5. All right, then from the book of Proverbs. (laughs) One question from the book of Proverbs. We um, read Proverbs 3 and 4. This question uh, comes from kind of both, uh, both of the Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 3 and chapter 4, Solomon says he learned from his father David that the most important thing in the world is what? Now, this does this fall in line with your the, what you always tell us about? Remember, you always tell us about, well, I can't talk about it without answering the question. In Proverbs 3 and 4, chapter 3, verse 15, chapter 4, verse 7, Solomon says that he learned from his father that the most important thing in the world is what? Give us a call if you know the answer or can find the answer quickly in your Bible. You can give us a call and answer that question for us. And I know again Mm -hmm. that Jacob is going to have something to say about that. And actually, I'm asking about that Uh one because there's there are three concepts. Yes, there are. Very good. We tend to mess up on from the. Well, let's not let's not be so harsh and say mess up. (laughs) It's just that my disappointment in disagreeing with you is only exceeded by my joy in correcting you. (laughs) There you go. Well, and and our joy in being corrected. Oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I know you are. But but uh, actually, yeah. And I can't say it without answering the question. All right. So we got to leave it alone. Well, you want to go now with the book of Judges? Give us one question from Judge, the last uh, 18 through 21, the last four chapters of Judges. I actually would like to, and there's a reason for me picking this question. It's uh, number three there. What is the okay, theme good. of the book of Judges mentioned several times in the book and in the very last verse of the book? You don't I, think it's the theme, do you? No, I do not. Okay. I think it's about God's forgiveness. Okay, yeah. All right, well, almost every chapter every book of the bible is about god's forgiveness but okay that's safe i'd say you'd safe with that one okay playing it safe there but what is the theme of the book of judges mentioned several times in the book and in the very last verse of the book i i kind of agree with you i'm not sure if it's a theme but it Anytime but, something hey, is look, repeated maybe we, maybe we could say this it might be the theme of uh, human nature Okay, maybe one of the principal, um, uh-huh. maybe one of the principal truths pointed uh-huh. out, or yeah. something. And I really like, way. and the reason I picked that one is because of the first question I'm going to ask from the Book of Ruth. Okay, let's go to Ruth. All right, yeah, and I'd like to ask your the number one: What nationality was Ruth? Okay. And the answer would be found in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Now, we're wanting to know her nationality. Uh, we're talking about what 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 was the stamp on her yeah. passport. What, and what what, did it, what? how would that possibly tie into that question about we just talked uh, the last verse in Judges? The theme of the book of Judges. Yeah. Hmm, how would that fit? Yeah, okay, what nationality was Ruth? But now we've moved into the uh, book of Ruth here. The, I, I just... Frankly, I always breathe a sigh of relief when we get to the book of Ruth every year because after you've read through Joshua and all of the 
turmoil and the you know the the pain and and trauma of war and conflict and so on and and, and the and you see the 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 different tribes of Israel begin to try to populate the land and try to clear out the land and their different tribal groups and so on and then you go into the book of judges and 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 how complicated and difficult and the failures and the ups and downs of Israel and there I oh, I get so weary uh, uh, just following their experiences, of course, it reflects some of my own life experiences as well, ups and downs and lessons learned and so on. And, and then you get to this beautiful little love story of Ruth, uh, and it just, I don't know, somehow it makes up for all of the pain and the complication is just to see this, even in the midst of all that complexity and all the ups and downs and the failures and the wars and the battle and all of that, here was this simple little godly family that, that does good. That, so that somebody should call in right away <laughs> and answer the question about Ruth's nationality, which will give us a chance, if you'll pardon the saying, to pontificate. All right. There you go. Give us a call, 340-9585. Any other question from the oh, book of yeah, one, Ruth? One, one more. I thought it would be nice. All right. Uh, how about you? How about uh, Naomi, whose name in Hebrew means pleasant? Uh told folks in Bethlehem that her name should be changed to Mara. In Hebrew, that means what? The answer is in 1, verse 20. And uh, it says, uh, see Exodus fifteen twenty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exodus fifteen twenty three is also a place where this word bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I did it. I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and pick another question. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we we'll see scratch, that same word. We'll just scratch that one. You don't. You don't we get, see the same word, Mara, 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 used in Exodus chapter fifteen. Right, let's just do the next one. We gave him a freebie. What is a so what? Okay, scratch that one because Soapy just won the prize. Uh, what is a Levi marriage, and why was it not possible in the case of Ruth? All right. And the answer's in chapter one, verse eleven. Levi, Levite, Levite. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it actually, but uh, that's okay. It is a, it's a, it's, it's a, a boom. It's a boom. He boom. And it is a social construct that uh, was was it created by the Hebrews? This idea of, of well, a, actually, or was it common in the well, cultures of that time? I don't know, but I know this that actually, if you look, it's we won't go into it tonight. But it actually, occurs way back with uh, Abraham and Sarah. Whoa. Anyway, hey, look, so that would be the answers in number 111. Now, you're not going to believe this, Soapy. Okay. We have Ruth on line one. <laughs> Ruth is calling in to protect and stand up for her good name. So <laughs> we're going to go immediately and visit with our friend Ruth. How are you, Ruth? I'm just fine, thank you. Good to hear from you tonight. hope you and yours are all doing well. We're doing fine, thank you. Great. I am a Moabitess. A Moabite. Exactly right. Oh, excellent. You excellent. And you speak excellent English, Ruth. I, Why, thank you. I've, I've um, yeah. <laughs> well, for a Moabitess. I noticed the Moabitess accent. <laughs> yes. you know, with, uh, but anyway, yes. you're exactly right. She was a Moabitess. And tell us what you know about the Moabites, the people of um, Moab. Oh, gosh, I don't know much of anything, I except they were pretty do. bad I guys. You know more than you think you do. They were probably ISIS of their time. I don't know. Oh, my land. That's what do you know about the Moabites, Lee? <laughs> I'm on the spot. Okay, Moab. 
So everybody's an enemy of Israel. The, the, that, doesn't make, that doesn't narrow it down. Where did they? Where did they yeah, thank uh, you very much. Where did the? Where did the people of Moab? Where did they? Who did they descend from? Who did they descend from? Esau. I think so. I think knows. We think so. Who was? Uh, who was Abraham's nephew? I'm sorry. What? Ab- oh, uh, Ishmael. Abraham's nephew. No, not Ishmael. Oh, his nephew Lot. Oh, yeah. Lot. Sodom and Gomorrah. Who lived in There's Sodom a lot of guys Gomorrah? up there. Remember Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah? And yeah, the, know uh, all those, Jeff, yes. And when Lot left, his wife was turned into a... Pillar of salt. Pillar of salt. And so how did Lot have children? He had two sons. Two daughters. Uh, two, he had two sons that were his grandsons. From his daughters, right? Yeah, that's yeah. why they were his sons and grandsons. And they were Moab. They were named Moab. And what was the other son's name? Uh, 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 Anamon. Anamon. Who? Oh yeah, we know that. That's why they're going. Amon, Amon. Yeah, the Ammonites mm-hmm. and the Moabites. Th- that's yeah. where the that's where those people groups descended from the children of uh, of um, Lot and his uh, through his daughters. Uh, it's so fascinating the light, the history, and the life, and the. It, the, the the Bible is actually a very messy book in a way, isn't it? Oh yeah, Ruth. I mean, it it's takes true people. to life. Well, yeah, here, true here, to this say, is this is not one of the questions, but it is an interesting point. Are we ready, Ruth? Ruth What's is that? ready. Yeah, I'll try. What? Uh, okay. Well, you're right. She's a Mobitus, a, a, a female. Now, Mobite. Have Mo, well, she's from the nation of Mobite. Huh? That's uh, if you take just one little nibble, it's a little bit, but if you take a nibble bite, it's a Mobite. It's a big bite, yeah. Okay. So, big bite. <laughs> <laughs> big bite is more bite. So, okay, so what you got is, what's interesting is, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 1 of Book of Ruth, it says something very interesting since Sophie was talking about the Book of Judges. And chapter says, 1, verse 1 of the yes. Book of Ruth. Uh-huh. It uh-huh. says, in the days when the judges judged. Now, that means the Book of Ruth took place during this time that you're reciting, Sophie, it's, about... Yeah. Uh, in the book of Judges. Somewhere so, in that 325-year period, right? So is, is, the guy, is this guy's name mentioned anywhere? Is his name what? It, is his name mentioned in the book of Judges when this story takes place? Oh, are we given the date? Okay, let me get my Bible out here. In uh, Okay, okay. answer your own question. Okay, boy. well, here it is. Uh, the the, the uh, scholars, the rabbi scholars, uh-huh. the sages say that he is in, uh, actually, in uh, chapter 12 of Judges, verse 8 to 10. Uh-huh. And his name would uh, be Ibzan of Bethlehem. So, that's, they say that's who that is. Now, that's interesting. But let's go one step further. In Deuteronomy 20... 20- oh, Ibsan. Oh, okay. So you're saying that the, the in the days when the judges uh-huh. ruled Israel, you're saying that the judge, the particular judge, yeah. so, so we're was Ibsan from we, Bethlehem. When, when we hit the book of Judges, actually, this is telling us this wonderful uh, provision made for this woman was made during the book of Judges. So... So, sure. let's go back and take a look. Now, in Deuteronomy 23, 4, and 5, yes. it says, it says that uh, Amronite or Moabite can never come into the house of Israel. Hello? Anybody there? Okay. So, at any rate, uh, I, I'm off the... Uh, any rate, so here's, uh, here's what's going on. How is it that if they can never come in, they, uh, Ruth, gets in? 
Okay, so what chapter is it where it says that the Moabites can never come into Israel? Right, that's in Deuteronomy 23, 4 and 5. Okay. Now, if they can't come in, how is it that she gets in? Deuteronomy 23. Isn't that, <laughs> Ruth, are you there? Um, I've got to put it down because we had noise in the background there. Hey, oh. Ruth, are you still with us? Oh. She may have she may have hung up, but we had some noise in the background and talking, so so I I parted oh, them down. I see. Finding myself Deuteronomy at a loss for words. Says you can never let those and the funny thing is, it's okay. How is it the last thing I need? Deuteronomy to be heard. Three, four, and five. And uh, we can come back to that question. We've got to take our first uh, break of the evening right now. We'll be back in just a little while. You can give us a call just like Ruth did, 340-9585. And we'll come back and answer and talk a little bit more about her question, about the question, the new question that Jacob has raised right now. Don't you dare go away. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. I want you to meet my friends at The Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. I want you to meet my friends at The Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. The KSLR app for your mobile device. It's like having the entire radio station in the palm of your hand, wherever and whenever you want. Download it today at kslr.com. That's kslr.com.
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. We come on bended knee as well, and we are back. Goodness, that was uh, that was rather abrupt. But we are back in the saddle here at 340-9585. This is the Bible Live quiz show, your opportunity to answer questions and ask questions coming from the great book of books. This past week, our reading schedule had us in the book of Ruth, and we finished that entire book. I, I Like I say, it's just a refreshing like a refreshing drink of fresh, cool, cold water in a hot summer day, the book of Ruth is to me. Uh, I find a great deal of comfort in it. But, of course, there's a, a lot to learn as well, and there are details of the book that are really very, very interesting and tell us a lot about the God of the Bible, the God of the Scriptures, and talk to us about it, the redemptive plan that God has put in place to as he calls out a people from him, for himself from all the nations of the world, the people groups of the world, uh, young and old, men and women, every race, every tribe, every language group, God is calling out a people, a group for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. That's 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 the the overriding kind of the, the, the big picture of the, the biblical narrative, uh, the creator God creating the human race and then calling out a people for himself. And that's going on even today as we speak. God calls and uh, redeems and brings people to him into his great forever family. So we're looking now at this particular time in that in the rolling out of the redemptive plan of God, we see this this uh, this great little story tucked in there during this 325-year period of uh, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, this time when the judges, uh, we say judges, they weren't judges in the modern sense, but they were leaders, right? Heroes. R- rulers. Rulers uh, over uh, that God raised up during this period of time. You know who, there was no central king. There was no big, strong well, central wasn't government. really at that point supposed to be a king. But do you know who Ruth's father is? Ruth's father. This is central to understand. How do you guys know all of this stuff? Uh, is it in the it, Bible? Yes. How about that? Okay, okay. Well, let me tell you. This is interesting for anybody who would like to know. Ruth's father is King Eglon of Moab. We know that for a fact. Yeah, and let me tell you who her grandfather is. Okay. Balak. Remember him? Oh, the the, uh, the, guy the king. Right. Was he a, he yes. was a king that hired Balaam, right? There you go. So the, she's royalty. I'll be now, you Ruth know. And Orpah are I did not know that. How do we know that? Uh, because if you go back and you look through the Bible, you'll find it says this person had this person, but it'll be in a different spot. And then they had this other person and so on and so on. So it is actually in the Bible. Yeah. Boy, I'm glad you guys have been yeah, studying well, this if, book. If all else fails, read, you know. I'm, I'm, no, I'm glad you guys have been studying this there, book so many centuries. So it says. Here's <laughs> when all fails, read the book. Along. When here's, all fails, read the book. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice little dig there. That was, yeah. <laughs> that's so good. Here's a, here's a, so Ruth is a woman. Uh-huh, Technically, true. in the Hebrew, it, refer, it was decided that it re, the Moabite or the Amorite was Ammonite, Ammonite was, yeah. was the male. Ah, and not it doesn't. It seemed to decide it was not applying to the female. So therefore, and then if you'll, oh, you just lost me on that. Hang on. Yeah, because well, say it again. There are men and women in every country. 
Sure. So, well, there was decided that that exclusion because of the phraseology and the choice of words. Oh, we're the, back to why it was, the, the passage in Deuteronomy that's where... That's kind of where we left off before the yes, break. Yes, before yeah. the break, where God told Moses, he says in 23, Deuteronomy 23, verse 4, the Lord your God refused to listen to me. Where is it? Come on, Soapy. Oh, these no Ammonite or Moabite... Or, or any of their descendants for ten generations, there is a limitation, I get it, on it, may be admitted to the assembly of God. These nations did not welcome you with food and water when you came out of Egypt. Instead, they hired Balaam, son of Beor, from Pethor, in distant Aram Naharaim, to curse you. <laughs> Naharaim. Uh, but the Lord your God refused to listen to Balaam. He, int- he turned the intended curse into a blessing because the Lord your God loves you. As long as you live, you must never promote the welfare and prosperity of the Ammonites or Moabites. Again, as long as you live. Uh, I guess that's a national thing there, uh, not individuals. Uh, do not detest the Edomites or the Egyptians and so on and so on. But, okay, yeah, but we here, have the, here's the, here's so it is a little bit of a contradiction when we, well, unless the ten-generation thing had already no, passed. No, actually, it's ten generations, but you'll find it as you, as you read further. It'll say something about the Amorites will, Ammonites will never get in. Uh-huh. But the Moabites, there is a section where they did come out and they did sell some food and water. Now, what's interesting is it, it's understood that it applies to a man, not a woman. Now, the comparison is in the book of Ruth and chapter 4, verse uh-huh. 11. Chapter 4, verse 11 of Ruth. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm hurrying over there to join you All in right. the book of Ruth. Okay. So look. So what happened is, is that, <clears throat> pardon me, um, they, uh, Boaz, which is the name of one of the columns in the temple, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, True. It says, all the people at the, he brought the people at the gate and the elders answered. So he got 10 people to be the elders. In the gate means like a court system, okay? Okay. And it says, we are witnesses. May God make the woman who is entering your house, in other words, Ruth, Ruth, like Rachel and Leah. Now, why would they make that reference? Rachel and Leah. Okay, we are witnesses. Now, this is taking place in what would be called the courthouse, I guess. Well, it's in the gate. It'll be like a courthouse. You know, you get 10 together. It's an official minion. And so that's a, it's an official setting. This word kind of public business is taken care of. and uh, uh, Well, whatever it is, it t- took place. It's yeah. with witnesses, it's the court system. We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman, speaking of Ruth, who is coming into your home, may the Lord make her like Rachel and Leah, Rachel from whom all the Leah. nation of Israel. Rachel and Leah. Now, why do they make that reference? And what's this got to do with Ruth? Well, it's talking about Ruth. They're, okay, it's talking about Ruth. Why oh, oh, I see. He went there to see if he could, uh, the he if he was the he Boaz was not the nearest relative of Ruth. Okay. Uh, Ruth's husband had died, as had her sister's husband. Uh, Ru, Ruth's husband had died, as had uh, Naomi, her mother-in-law. Her husband had died as well. So Ruth here is living with her mother-in-law Naomi and. The idea is that they've come back to Bethlehem, and 
and the, and there is a there is a male in the community that's that is closer closer than in Boris. terms of a uh, uh, relationship a uh, family relationship right. he's closer to Ruth than Boaz is and he has the first opportunity to marry Ruth to bring her into right. his household right and so uh, for that guy to give it up there must be witnesses and basically a court hearing yeah and so for him to do that, he has to be willing to receive Ruth into his family, but also that means into his inheritance. She has to become part of the, you know, she has to inherit land well, and so on from him. Well, actually, there is a piece of land that's owned by uh, Naomi, uh-huh. and that's her piece of ah, land. And, he, and that would go to the so husband, right? I would. So if I were going to do this, what you call a Levite marriage, you have to redeem the land uh-huh. and bring the woman in, and of course you'll... Have her have a baby, but that baby will be actually be the son of the deceased husband that she had. Uh huh. And that child will end up with the property. Okay. So does uh, she also inherit from her husband part of his inheritance? Well, if the, if there was something there, yeah. Okay. But so in other words, this, but that guy, for some reason, in the in the complication there of inheritance and so on, he did not want to, he chose not to then to marry Ruth. Well, he actually says, I cannot redeem it myself. I see. Unless I mar my own inheritance. There you go. Okay, so, so that's what I'm thinking. Okay, so and so why, that opened the door they, for Boaz. So, but why Rachel and Leah? Why, why do they make that reference, These this minion, this ten people sitting down? Why do they make that reference when talking about, okay, you can have Ruth as your wife? Okay, because I uh, to the... To a, to a Gentile reader, it's just a beautiful, nice little way. I mean, because obviously Rachel and Leah are the the uh, wives of Jacob, uh, who went up when he went up and worked for his what is his uncle Laban, uh-huh. and he just said it. he's given now, these Laban two. Laban is an idol worshiper, as Ruth's father. Ah, so that's the connection. And they became, what you might say, part of Israel, and they became, as it says in the line, it says, both of whom built up the house of Israel. So they're saying, okay, they're just like Ruth. She can come in, too, and it's a woman. It doesn't apply to a man. I mean, the the woman comes in. How about that? Oh, well, that's, I mean, it's really beautiful and nice to know the details and go into the details of the passage, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. That, 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 let's let's go and visit. I think Richard, Richard, Richard is yeah. on the line. Let's go and visit with Richard for a moment. Hi, Richard. Richard got tired of waiting. Oh, I'm sorry. We lost Richard. I. Richard, Richard, you can call back. We'll get you right on. All right, back, we will Richard. for sure. Thank you, Richard, for calling. We hope you will have fine time to give us another call back. We'd love to hear what you had to say. You can call as well three four zero ninety five eighty five. These uh, these are. Those are really beautiful little nuggets, great little details uh, from the story of Ruth and um, and Boaz and this beautiful little love story that's set there in the time of the judges. You know, there was so much ugliness, it seems like, going on in the time of the judges. Um, the last chapters of the book of Judges are this terrible scene of, of um, this woman that gets, you know, violated and then she's killed and then the the levite uh husband you know sends her body parts all over the cult it's just so traumatic it's so um uh such so chaotic and well, such a tragedy about that. so it's, ugly and then you have this this little story which which takes place during the book of judges same actually. period of time yeah 
So here's something interesting. And look, it says, and I'm just going to go ahead and deal with it. It says, no king, there was no king, so the people did what was right in their own eyes. Mm -hmm. Now, what are they referring to? In other words, none of them were obeying God's laws. Right. That's what it's referring to. Each of them. Except during this period, obviously, we have a guy in Bethlehem that is. True. And, And it's broad enough understanding that indeed... uh, It would allow somebody else to come in, but there was a a court held, and it was decided she could come in. And and if you look very closely, when it goes uh, way back in the early part of the book of Judges, when the other sister, who is also a a descendant from uh, Balak, she goes back to her people. Now, that is, um, uh, her name is uh, Orpha, Orpha. I believe. Uh Mm -hmm. Okay. And she says, and it uh, says, uh, where am I at here? It says, uh, oh, yeah, it says she returned to her gods. Uh-huh. So she had some other gods. But actually, it says the most interesting line, when you look at it really closely, it says, um, it says uh, she returned to her gods. That would seem to imply that both these Moabite women, when they are married to the uh, daughter, or the husbands, the Jewish husbands, that they must have gone through perhaps some type of, let's call it a conversion process. Hmm. But when uh, Orpha was allowed to go back, it's, she returned to her gods. In other words, she abandoned the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and returned to her gods. Now that's fascinating because the it is. the sages teach that um, <clears throat> Ruth, of course, was the ancestress of David. Her sister Orpha was the ancestress of Goliath. So wow! So now, who who says that? That comes from from. Hebrew tradition and uh, see this is why we have you on here <laughs> maybe folks are kind of wondering what, what is this you know this Christian and this Jewish man are talking about the scriptures I, I tell you folks I don't think there's a hope in the world we have a hope in the world of really understanding this book entirely and totally and completely without the insight and without the the aid of the people of Israel, the Hebrew language, the Hebrew people, the Hebrew traditions, Hebrew history, so completely saturates the book, both Old and New Testaments, uh, both Old and New, not just the Old Testament, that it really is helpful for us to understand uh, these. They've been studying and looking and taking apart these uh, these verbs and these nouns and these and these phrases and these stories for decades and decades and centuries and centuries and we can we can really benefit it's a great blessing to our lives to understand it doesn't mean uh, we can't come to God and be redeemed and, and know the Lord and enjoy the Lord without that insight but in terms of our uh, our understanding of the scriptures in terms of the practicalities of living out our faith and how to live in this world is so helpful to have these uh, insights and that's why Jacob helps us with each and every week and uh, and frankly a lot of I notice a lot of what you do Jacob and a lot of what the Jewish people bring to us and help us with is that you help us connect the different passages that we wouldn't normally like I would not have normally gone back from the book of Ruth back to that 
that declaration in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. I would not have made that connection on my own, uh, to be very honest. I don't think in all the years of reading the Scriptures and loving the Scriptures, I never had seen that. And it, it is it is a great thing for us to be able to do that, and I appreciate you helping us with that in, in, in so many ways. Now, um, well, I'd love to take else? credit for it, but uh, I don't know anything other than what other people have told me. Right. Well, well we appreciate what you folks have been doing with the Scriptures. And remember, uh, you are supposed to be doing this. This is exactly what the people of Israel, what the Jewish people, this was your mandate. This is your calling to be instruments of, of God's revelation of himself. And you're supposed to teach the nations and teach us Gentiles uh, about the scriptures and about God's word and about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So uh, you're doing what you are doing, Jacob, that's for sure. And uh, we want to encourage our other Jewish friends and, and uh, that, that they, too, would take that mandate seriously to know and walk with the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and to... Um, Share some of those insights and those thoughts. Now, we bring something to the table, too. We bring a little something that we hope is a blessing to you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really hesitant to make that joke again, so I won't say. Let's go over to your side of the Bible. Okay. But I, won't say, I won't say that joke. All right. You won't say what you just said. But okay. That's right. But let's, uh, you're in the book of Luke, there's, uh, why don't we pick a couple questions from there? And go that's on. a good idea. And, and, again, this is going to be an example of your connecting the, the times of Messiah, when when Jesus of Nazareth is walking and ministering, we're going to connect some of his words and his teaching and so on. Remember, he's a Jewish Messiah. He's a Jewish, Jewish male, very devoted. And, uh, and you would agree with me that he was uh, an Orthodox Jew, right? Without a doubt, yeah. He uh, was, well, I would mean, say he was maybe the definition of, well, and of so Orthodox. That would mean that he's obeying all God's laws. Okay, uh-huh. That's what Orthodox means. All right. Okay. So, so we're into the book of Luke now, mm-hmm. the New Testament book. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's look at your number five. I, right. I lived and ministered in the desert. I dressed and ate strangely for my times, and I was the most influential man in Israel until Jesus started his ministry. Who am I? Okay, does I mean does that ring true with you? The question itself. He was a boy. He was very popular. Oh, he was. I, a, I think in the four corners of the page. I think it definitely says that. All right. In his uh, in his time in the era in which he lived, this was a guy. He was a well, maybe I won't say it. Okay, I was going to say the Donald Trump of his time, but uh, only in terms of fame, in terms of name recognition. This guy was very, very well known and popular and spoken in Israel. In the time of uh, in the time of Jesus in, the, in that first century, and what is his name? Who am I? I lived and ministered in the desert. I dressed and ate strange ate strange foods, uh, dressed strangely and ate strange foods for my times, and I was the most influential man in Israel until Jesus started his ministry. Who am I? And by the way, I'll give you another little hint. He was actually related. Uh, a family relationship there with Jesus of Nazareth as well. So you can answer that question. Give us a call, 340-9585. And uh, in the interest of time, there is another question here that I find, as uh, I read Luke, I find very interesting. Uh, let's Only see. one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, there's several. But okay. the one we got time for. Okay. You're, uh, you're number 26. When Jesus healed my deformed hand... Why were the Pharisees enraged? And you'll find the answer 
in 6.6 of Luke. And I'm going to offer a a different explanation. A different explanation, as you often do. When Jesus healed my deformed hand, why were the Pharisees enraged? Why did they get so upset? In Luke chapter 6, verse 6, you find at least one answer on that one. The what? I'd like somebody to call on that. Give us a call on that if you'd like. We'd love you to answer the question for us, and then uh, let uh, Jacob tell you why you're wrong. I mean, no, no. no that. <laughs> Not that I'm wrong, but I, I take it a lot different than what the standard no. Christian teaching is. Oh, of course. I, and that, and that's, that enriches us all. So we're, we're glad to hear your call. Give us a call. Why were the Pharisees so mad, so upset when Jesus healed this uh, the deformed hand of this individual. All right, give us a call, 340-9585. If you know the answer to any of these questions, uh, Ruth called in and, and answered her own question. What nationality was she? She came from the nation of Moab, and they descended from... Uh, oh, hey, uh, Soapy, we made a promise. said, Richard, if you call back, you'll come on okay. first. And so we're putting him to the head of the line. All right, we've got him right here. We are ready to go. Hi, Richard. Thanks for calling back. We appreciate it. Hello, Soapy and Jacob. Hello. Hey, uh, I, on that first question about the Moabites, I was going to say Moab, and I would have been wrong. You were going to say uh, what? I was going to say Moab. But she, uh, Ruth said Moabite. And uh, that was the right answer. I was just going to say Moab. Well, from the land, from the people, from the Moab. Okay, you would have. We would have probably given it to you, actually. So anyway, uh, the reason I'm calling in, I think the Pharisees were mad because the Christ healed the man's hand on the Sabbath. Is on that right? the Sabbath, that's the na- that's the answer we come up with. Well, not we, yeah, but that's, you. <laughs> that's the that answer makes me happy I, come up I can with. answer that. It seems to be the uh, from the passage there from the uh, context. It seems to be the answer. But Jacob's got another perspective. You want to hear it? Yeah. All oh, right. Hang I, on with you us. Know, we'll, you know, Richard, we'll I would it. like to hear it again myself, so I'm going to say it. <laughs> All right. All right. Now listen. When you look at the passage and the whole passage. See, what really troubles me when I, I sit down and read some of those things, and I hear some of the standard explanations, and I'm not saying it's wrong by any means, okay. but I know when I go back and I look and I hear some of the explanations like, well, they didn't like him healing on the Sabbath. There, let me tell you a comparison story real quick. There was a very famous rabbi, and on Yom Kippur, the high holy day, um, he was supposed to give a, a sermon, conduct services. And yet he left and helped a woman that was having a baby. Why is that? Because it's always the right thing to do to help somebody, especially in the case of saving a life, no matter when. Life before yeah. all else. So when I read I it, I'm, I'm thinking, now why would they be upset if he's doing this? So I go back and I read the story. And it's interesting because it says, on the Sabbath... He healed this this fellow. It's in the beginning of chapter 6. And then they said, um, and he says, Which man among you would not go home today and pull out his goat or cow out of a, out of a pit? Right? You know that, Richard? Yep, I remember. All right. And I agree. Was, I agree with that whole premise. Of course. I wanted to answer, try and answer another question. All right, let's oh. get that one too. The uh, the one about uh, uh, David tearing his clothes. 
Oh, in yes. And in, in, uh, we asked from the Psalm, chapter okay. 51. Okay. I'm not, I always go by memory. I don't look it up in the Bible. Okay. I'm thinking he was told to kill people and babies and cows and sheep and bring nothing back, and he brought back Christ, cattle, and all of that. Is that the reason? Now, he was what told we, by the prophet that he didn't do what God asked him to do. I think you're talking about Saul. Okay, I'm all right. Yeah, but no, but, but no, you got the details right. That's that's something that happened in the life of Saul, and he he actually broke the commandment of God there, and it's one of the reasons that his rule, his reign, was uh, rejected. But we've asked right. the question about David. What? I got the kings wrong. <laughs> that's all right. You were in the ballpark. <laughs> one came right, after the let, other. I'm gonna let you go. Appreciate you calling in, pal. Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, that's easy to do. We get Saul and David. They uh, come in well, right. it's all in Israel, you know. Yeah. Well, let's go back to okay. the question that is okay, first so here's thought about the deformed hand. Now, ah. I want to say something, all right? Yeah, please. And that passage from Luke, in the first place, the whole the whole chapter starts off <clears throat> with Jesus walking on the Sabbath. He's walking through some grain fields, and his disciples broke off the heads. And, and the Pharisees get upset with him, saying, why are you breaking the law? By harvesting grain on the Sabbath, <clears throat> and this is one of those. Uh, you know, Jesus had three different kinds of ways in which he claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the Son of God, and, and one of those was was direct claims, and one of them was what we call uh, indirect, where he claimed a prerogative. He claimed to have an authority, a prerogative. Uh, that only belonged to God. And, and for example, the, the ability to forgive sins. Uh, only God can forgive sins, and, and yet Jesus said, hey, your sins are forgiven, and so on and so on. Well, this is another one of those those indirect claims because he's he says the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Uh, and, and so he, he's claiming, that's at least as we look at it, uh, Jacob, at verse 3. So we're in the context of uh, of God's dealing, and then he says, on another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in syn- in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. And it does actually say that uh, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath if he healed the man's hand. So the Sabbath, the Sabbath does work in, it's part of the text, right? It is part it of is. our understanding and of the, what was going and on. The, and the Okay, so you're going to fill in the rest of the blanks and tell us well, maybe more behind the story, right? Is the idea? Um, well, Elizabeth and I went expressly. I guess and we'll go to the break and then we'll come back. Huh? We have to do that. Well, that came up rather sudden. We didn't have a bumper there, but we'll be back in a moment. Don't go away, folks. Very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Expressly is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. back thanking you for joining us for this last 30 minute segment of the bible live quiz show i hope you'll give us a call 340-9585 i would love to hear from you if you have the answer to any of the questions we've put out this evening from the books of the psalms now the proverbs we've asked several questions from the book of ruth in the hebrew scriptures the old testament and then we've asked a number of questions as well from the Gospel of Luke, and that's what we were discussing before we left. We were talking about this incident in uh, Luke chapter 6, I believe it was, when Jesus is approached about, um, first he's approached about his disciples uh, harvesting wheat on the Sabbath. As they uh, would go through the harvest, they would take a head of grain, they would roll it in their hands and, and get the chaff and the, the covering for the and have the grains of wheat and eat and they consider this to be harvesting wheat and they accused him then of his well, wait, well, he and his disciples yeah. harvesting on, working on the Sabbath. Okay, but wait a minute. And that moves they're into the second passage. Yeah, go ahead, Jacob. Because they're wrong. Because what does it say in Deuteronomy? As you pass through a field, you can pick it and eat it. You just can't take bushel baskets and harvest it. <laughs> okay. So when they're saying, hey, in verse 2, it says, they're, that's not lawful. Well, it actually, was a time-honored practice of what we call gleaning, right? You know, I think well, that was... gleaning would be the leaving for the uh, as a charity. Uh-huh. So this is if I'm passing through a field, I'm hungry, I can eat an ear of corn, let's say. Yes. But I can't harvest your field. Yes. So okay. they're wrong. Now it moves on down. And look at verse 9. Remember I told you about the, this rabbi who helped the woman on Yom Kippur having a baby, etc.? Uh-huh. Okay, he did the right thing. And so that would seem to contradict what these guys are saying. Not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But saving a life isn't. Look at what it says in verse 9. Actually, he gets it right. Who gets it right? Jesus uh, gets it right. It says, I ask you, is it lawful? Look at the word he's using. Lawful. Lawful. Uh Whose law? God's law. He's saying, is it lawful to do good or do harm on the Sabbath to save a life? Or to destroy it. Well, the answer is to save a life. <laughs> yes, of course. So, and what he's saying, the reason they get so angry and they get enraged at him, as it says, is that he, uh, and I'm drawing, of course, from one of the other stories, that uh, he, and the other he says, hold out your hand. Right. Okay, but what he says is, he says, which man is there that would not pull his sheep or oxen out of a pit? Yes, uh, from another story, yeah. Yeah, well, the same story in a different book. <laughs> and so he's in the. And he says, any, either one of any of you would save your animal from a pit. And then he says to the guy. This is the kicker. I like this. Yeah, give me your hand. And he healed his hand and pulled him out of the pit. The reason they're so enraged is they got the insult. It wasn't on the Sabbath. Actually, Jesus was supporting the Sabbath. It was them that had it wrong. Just like they got wrong about being able to eat an ear of corn. That's why that companion story is right by it. 
And what's happening is what they understood the insult to mean was you would pull your sheep out of a pit and I will pull my sheep out of a pit because you turned this Sabbath and this place we worship into a pit because you're not following God's laws. That's why he's saying, is it lawful? Mm -hmm. The laws he's referring to is God's laws. Mm. So they were enraged. Uh, And this kind of, I was saying, as we were talking a little bit about this uh, during the break, that this again highlights, I think, something that that we need to understand about the life and times of uh, Messiah Jesus. We have to understand that this was a time of pretty much uh, of great uh, a great um, corruption. The the priesthood had been corrupted. The, the, the people were buying the priesthood. Caiaphas himself. Uh, they were appointed by Rome. And so this was a time of of a lot of corruption of the spiritual uh, process of 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 the temple of the of the practices of the traditions of worship, and so this kind of is one of those things that kind of highlights it that this was the era in which Jesus lived and ministered and carried out his ministry, is that th- th- there was a lot of this the misunderstanding of the scriptures and mis uh, understanding of the laws of Moses. And uh, lording it over the people. So many of these things that Jesus spoke about. Good choice of words. It, it's, um, <laughs> what's that? You said lording it over Lord, the people. Yeah, lording, yeah. Uh, the people, that, I'm talking about the Pharisees, and the lording over oh, the people and, and repressing and oppressing them. And, and, of course, Jesus is standing clearly on the other side of that, you know, kind of like the prophets, you know, shaking his hand in their face and saying, you're wrong. You know, this is the this is what the law says. And, and it's of a, course, we have one of those things that, I admire that there were three laws that eventually came into practice. As you mentioned, these guys as Caiaphas, this other guy, they're not even from the tribe of Levite. How did they get the jobs? As you well said, they got it from Herod or for the Romans. And so they were we would actually call them being very corrupt. And so they should have never been in the in charge of the temple in the first place. And there was, eventually there was going to be three death penalties. One, if they circumcised their children. Two, if they had the Torah. And three, if they kept calendar. A, yes, Wasn't the calendar amen, part of it? Amen, brother. It's a calendar. You couldn't have a Jewish calendar. And so they were trying to make sure that people had nothing to go on. Why not a calendar, Sophie? Because that... The, their worship, what God had done very clearly and carefully, was uh, all of those holidays that we read about, the Feast of Tabernacles and Yom Kippur and yeah. all, they were related to their God, related to That's worshiping right. God and following Perfect. God. And, Perfect. And, of course, the same thing, I suppose, if anyone took over America, they would not want us celebrating the 4th of July. They would not want us See? celebrating uh, right. Christmas or Thanksgiving uh, yeah. those because they mean so much to They're part of our life our culture, our understanding right. of who we and, are. And as we go back to highlight the importance of that calendar, remember back in Exodus chapter 12, before the during the day, before the night of Passover, there was something so important that God couldn't wait till the evening of Passover. <laughs> and he gave him something during the daytime, and what was it? It was a... Uh, oh, no. <laughs> it, it was a, you're right, Sophie. It was a calendar. That was what I was going to say. Yes. I was going to say calendar. I knew you were. And the, why did he give him a calendar? Because a slave doesn't own his own days. Oh, he doesn't own his a own A free life. man yes. owns his own days, so he can choose to follow those days that God gave or choose not to. Mm-hmm. But he gave him the calendar so they would know when mm-hmm. to follow. So it's from God. So a calendar was given the day before the night to pass. It was part of the liberation process, right? The freeing 
uh, coming out of Egypt, out of that bondage, and to walk as free. So, and, and I know something. Yes. Uh, we got a couple mm. of questions during the week yeah. uh, that you want maybe to mention something about. Yeah, might be a good time for that. Yeah. What was it? Oh, oh yes. Uh, uh, can you remind boy. me of the question or not? Is that? Yeah, sure. Okay. We we did. We got some questions this past week about uh, uh, about about. You had uh, made a comment on last week's show. And you had mentioned the term. Had I stuck my foot in my mouth? Did I do so? Okay. Uh, no, you just exchanged them. Okay. You had mentioned something last week about something okay. called spiritual Israel. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. And during the week, there's been a couple of questions about that. And I thought you'd be a better person to explain that than I. And I know there are people listening tonight that would like you to explain that. You Okay. Well, the, basically, the term comes, uh, I, I get it at least, as, as a Gentile believer. And I, and I can't say that I, I, I'm not, I don't know that this comes from any official source of all Christians believe this or all you know, seminaries teach this as part of their theology. But it comes out of uh, two different passages, or both Jesus and Luke, uh, Jesus and Paul, seem to talk about this. Uh, Jesus, when he is uh, in in John chapter eight, when he is debating with the uh, religious leaders there, he says to them, uh, "They say we're children of Abraham. You know, we don't need uh, you or anything." And he says, "If you were children of Abraham, you would see and understand that I am." I come from Abraham. I, I am the Messiah. I am the fulfillment of what he's talked about. And then he says, um, um, let me see, I'm trying to remember the, the particularly this is uh, John chapter 8. And he said, don't you know, if God, if God wanted to, he could raise up children of Abraham out of these rocks. Now, I know that Jacob, they, out of the stones, I've heard various ideas about his use of the word there, out of these stones, out of these rocks. Uh, but the idea we get there is that there is a... In other words, that Israel is not defined, <clears throat> the people of God, the people of Israel, are not defined by their ethnicity. It's not a genetic, uh, it's not limited genetically to just the people who are the offspring uh, of of uh, Abraham and through Isaac and Jacob. Of course, I think we've seen that clearly in the Old Testament over and over again, like with Rahab there in uh, Jericho, and like with uh, Ruth here now, the Moabitess, who is kind of grafted into the lineage of uh, of King David, and later on even through the Messiah Jesus. So we and we often see these instances of people not genetically or, or ethnically uh, Hebrew or Jewish, but they they come into they become part of spiritual Israel because they part of the people of God, those who trust God, love God, believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so uh, the question was, you know, what do you mean? What is it meant by spiritual Israel? I think that is all I mean by it. And later on we see in the New Testament, then Jesus says that about, you know, God could raise up children of Abraham through these stones. That's not, it, it, it's not the one that's circumcised in the flesh that, that's part of Israel. It's the one that's circumcised in the heart, those who seek truly and sincerely after the, at the true and living God and, and come to know him through uh, as he has revealed himself and through his plan of a redemption and atonement. And so we see that. And then Paul brings up the same theme in the book of Romans. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to look for that chapter, Jacob, that m- maybe you can help me there. Romans well, uh, and, uh, 9. While, while you're eight? looking, let me okay. say that, Go ahead, of course, yeah. I, I approach everything <laughs> that we look at, even in the Christian New Testament, I approach it from a Jewish point of view. You, you know that, of course. Sure, of course. 
And so when I approach that, I take a look and I say, well, I'm trying to get my mind around you know, certain theology, certain uh, things you present. And that's why when they came up during the week, I said, well, Soap would be the best one to explain what he means by that. All right. Well, this, this passage? I think it's Romans chapter 10, 9 or 10. He comes to the conclusion there. Uh, he, he's talking about the fact that, that uh, God's people, Gentiles, thousands and thousands and now millions through the work of Messiah, have, been, have come to faith and come to trust in the true and living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through their faith and trust in Messiah, in, in the atonement plan and, and what is presented, the prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus, uh, by Jesus, and the messianic prophecies and so on and so on. So he's saying that we too uh, become uh, Abraham's children. Um, he said being children in chapter 9 um, Verse 7, it says, Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be the Abraham's children. For God had promised, uh, I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. This son was our ancestor Isaac, and so on. It talks about, and, and he goes on... Uh, it's a rather complex passage where um, Paul, this uh, this uh, what well, tribe? He's a member of what tribe? He's uh, a Benjamin. Benjamin, right? Well, he's, but he's here's a devout, here, here's devoted a, uh, Pharisee. I think it would be helpful. Is there some passage that people could look at that you're referring to where it uses the term spiritual Israel? Uh, or is that? And it's okay. I think but it's is, a catchphrase. Is, it, is that a? Uh, I don't a theological remember the actual term? phrase itself. Spiritual Israel. Oh, okay. Uh, although it might be in there, uh, if you look in chapters in Romans chapters nine and ten, uh-huh. uh, you, if you, it, it, it might be in there. I, I, I'm kind of gleaning, working through it now. And of course, I'm not working in the Greek here, so I, it would have to be translated into this particular version, the New Living Translation. But uh, spiritual Israel, the idea I have fundamentally is that uh, as as Gentiles. Uh, through our faith and trust in Messiah, in Jesus, in the atonement plan of God, uh, and, and through his sacrificial atonement on our behalf, taking our sin upon him, he who knew no sin became sin for us, then we, by faith in him, our sins are forgiven and cleansed, and we come into that relationship, uh, that personal relationship with the true and living God, and we join then, we become part of Israel, part of the people of God, and to, and to Separated or or to say it's not political Israel. We're not citizens of the nation of Israel, nor are we necessarily uh, genetic descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we are spiritual descendants, and therefore we've come. We've become a part of Israel, and that's I think the understanding of the idea of spiritual Israel. And uh, in a way, I I've always seen it in a way of, of honoring. Um, you know the biblical narrative, the honoring the, the and even honoring, in some ways, the, the people of Israel that we had this mandate that God gave to them, both a blessing and a hardship. We understand that of representing the the God Himself and and being the people of God and and having to stand tall and in the face of uh, uh, of uh, paganism, in the face of idolatry and polytheism, they were to stand solid and strong and and represent the true and living God and his word and his redemptive plan. 
Uh, and, of course, we stand now in that place as spiritual Israel. We have that same mandate on our lives. Does that make well, sense? I, I think it helps. Uh, it help you know, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to follow you also. I would say that, you know, in the uh, New Testament, in the book of Acts, chapter 15, and it's verse uh, 20, 21, I believe, and it talks about those eight uh, animals offered to idols and those strangulations, uh-huh. sexual morality, that kind of thing. Actually, and it says in those verses, from Moses from old times. Now, those are what we, the Jews call the Noahide laws. And so they're actually in the New Testament, but actually says Moses from old times. So it's actually bringing forward into the New Testament that old law. Like I could pick up a phone and call a rabbi in the Oh, San Antonio, Texas, uh-huh. or in Australia, and say, hey, uh, 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 does God love everybody? He'd say yes, and I'd say, what do the, do the non-Jews, do they get to go to heaven? And the Jewish concept is yes, and it's really up to God. That's all there. That's of it. Course, yeah. But they have something called the Noahide laws for the non-Jews, and it's actually listed in Acts 15. And that's fascinating to me because it's right there, and it actually begins by saying, Moses from of old time. Okay, uh, I, 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 that's beautiful. It really is. Oh, and thank it, you. it ties in. John chapter 8, in Romans chapters 9 and 10, Paul addresses this. And also, he talks about it in the book of Corinthians. Uh, he talks about what about Israel now? What is, what is God's. Because he's laying out the plan for this, for this Gentile city, uh, in the city of Corinth. He, uh, many, many there are Gentiles. They've come to faith in, in Christ and in, in Messiah. They've come into. Uh, and frankly, they've become part of Israel, spiritual Israel in that sense. And he talks to them about that in, in the book of Corinthians. But look at Romans chapters 9 and 10. Those are very important passages in this. He says, in the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those whom he shows mercy who were prepared in advance for glory. And look, and we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. And look, he quotes uh, the Hebrew Scriptures here, the book of Hosea. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who were not my people, I will now call my people. I will love those whom I did not love before. And look in this passage in Hosea. Then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, they were they were... There they will be called children of the living God. And concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, Though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved, for the Lord will quickly carry out his sentence upon the earth and quickly and with finality. Um, and there is a passage where in, this, in this section, I think, where he comes to the conclusion, And thus all Israel, I believe this is in Romans, or maybe it's in the Corinthian passage, mm-hmm. And thus all of Israel will be saved. And he's not talking about everybody. We don't believe it's saying that everybody who just happens to have uh, Jewish blood or genetics. Uh, uh, he's, not ta- he's talking about all of spiritual Israel, all of God's people, whether Jew and Gentile, those who trust him and love him and follow him, sure. will be redeemed. And you know what I always find interesting about idea. that passage is, because I've heard that before, and and I think it's fair to say that a, a Jew, a Jewish reader, would take that all differently. Okay. Because I find that from the Christian ap- approximation, is that there's a minus involved because you're saying, 
well, not all Israel is Israel, and they so it's a minus they apply. The Jewish concept would be a plus. In other words, they would say, yes, all the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be saved. Yes. But the plus is that others that are grafted in or part of Israel are also considered part of Israel. So it's a plus sign. Exactly. Where most of the Christians take it as a minus sign, I think, saying, well, all Israel doesn't include all of Israel. I've always seen it as a plus. Uh, To be honest, I I really have. I've always thought, wow. uh, you know, I'm, and I, I have to admit, I am a kind of a glass half full person. You know, when you do you know what that really means? Sophie? No, tell me. That means you got too big of a glass, <laughs> or a glass half empty. That okay? Either one, right? You got a too big a glass. Well, uh, well, the idea is, but I am a glass kind of half full. I see it, and I've always seen that as a positive. Wow, isn't that great that that we've been grafted in? We now this Apache Indian now has become. Part of Israel, part of the people of God, and and I, and I've always said that. You know, that's, speaking of that, you have seems a like guy it'd be a great on, the, on the line. I'd like to talk to you. Who us? Who we got? Who we got on who the is line? That, Harold. Is it Harold on the line? Hi, Harold. Sorry, it took hey, how you doing? to you. Are you still with us? I am. I think you guys are right on something. I think I think you're saying everything just right. Oh man, I'm so glad because I was kind of uh, worried about. Well, it's a little a concept that's unless, a tricky. And are we talking about the uh, Book of Ruth a little bit? Yes, sure. Go for it, Harold. Uh, uh, well, unless you're one of these people that used the phrase, Ruth did, uh, your God, my God, which your God is my God. You remember when she said that? Ruth and, uh, 15. That's sung at every wedding. So many weddings, you know, that the uh, I, I've well, seen for weddings. But yeah, distinct. Ruth uh, 315, I think it is. Yes, but to this very day, it distinguishes Judaism from other faiths. So, and the four simple Hebrew words, just those four simple Hebrew words. So my my question is, I know we're getting almost out of time here. Uh So when people convert from other faiths to Judaism, Uh then are religions of faith a tool to lead them to God? In other words, if you're a Christian and born like I was all your life, and born and raised that way, it's it's okay. But one day, maybe something may happen where you say, "Uh-oh, your God is my God." You know, before you leave this earth, you kind of got back to God himself, itself, Hashem, all that stuff. Hey, Harold. And it's just something I've, I've been thinking about all day. Yeah, Harold, good, Harold. You brought up something very good, because uh, the exact sentence that Ruth said is, your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Ruth one sixteen. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, I got so the passage So actually, right. Harold, uh, you brought up something very, very interesting there, because first it's saying your people will be my people, because if somebody does, let's say, decide to become Jewish and they convert... In other words, first you have to like the people. If you don't like the people, you won't like their God. That is so interesting, that concept. And if you think about it, she converted to, say, I don't know, Jewish Judaism, and which is the lineage of David, which leads to the Messiah. Yes, exactly. So someone that converted did all this thing. So I don't, I don't think, well, I know converting to Judaism, it's not the end of the road, it's it's the beginning of the road, and I and I'm learning to believe that Christianity or religions of faith 
is a very, very good religion, and and it carries you through your entire life. But like I said, maybe somewhere down the road something happens. You uh, have a spiritual eye opening. I don't know, or you want to learn more about. You know, you start digging and wondering and whatever. Then your God is my God, and that's what I got out of the Book of Ruth. I think that may what happened to her, not as far as there was Christianity, but there were other gods and idols and things like that. And she broke away from that to go from this. Well said, my friend. Thank you for calling in about that. And there is our music. We are, in fact, out of time. You did it just right. We're going to have to make Harold... Harold's going to have to become a professional. He, he finished it out just as we were finishing the hour. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Jacob, anything you want to throw in here at the last? Goodbye, uh, Sophie. <laughs> Good night, everyone. See you next Sunday here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.